gentleman died because he drank some wine. Welcome to Dark Dead Things, a horror and weird fiction podcast. Go to darkdeadthings.com for issues of our magazine, t-shirts, and more. And now, today's episode. Enjoy. The Daedalian Neoplasm by Liz Layton It could have been a piece of litter to begin with. It was so inconsequential, like a gum wrapper or a spent blunt. Even the most socially responsible among us could have been the one to chuck it. The lush cover of Kelly Green Lawn provided cover. Our children only became aware of it when it was the size of a softball. They poked at it with sticks and dared one another to touch it with their bare hands. As it grew, it caused the radius of St. Augustine to wither into a perfectly round, brown areola. It was then that those of us in park management took notice. We sprayed it with an obscene amount of fungicide, slapped a very official caution sign on it, and clapped the imaginary dust off our hands. Another day in the books. Another problem solved. And yet, it expanded twofold overnight. Even the casual civilians among us became curious. We came to the park to ogle the thing that was swiftly approaching the size of an exercise ball, then an adult, then a garbage truck. We came to gawk, wonder and ruin our appetites for the rest of the day. By the time it had engorged to the size of a bungalow, we who had the authority to do so closed the park to the public. Samples were taken, tests were run, and we came to the definitive conclusion that the results were inconclusive. Finally, when it expanded to a mass that consumed the entirety of the park, even those of us fortunate enough to ignore it up until this point had become aware of it. It pressed its soft mass against the skyscrapers, their sharp corners failing to puncture or even harm it in the slightest. The hard grey lines of the metropolis had, until this point, remained impenetrable. Now, the mysterious growth was consuming it all, as improbable as a tumour in a machine. When the corpulent bubble of meat first insisted upon itself, we did what we could to hack away at its bulging pink exterior. We hoped to make enough headway that it would wither away like a wart that had its root dug out. Our success was all but assured at first. Pride surged through us as we sauntered around the worksite and bullshitted one another with lackadaisical swagger. We wore our hard hats and biohazard masks slightly askew as a show of a real day's work. Frail flesh receded like gum wads against the violence of a pressure washer. We hacked with our chainsaws and blazed our flamethrowers while striking the most heroic poses we could think of for the benefit of anyone who might be passing by. It ain't going to take more than a week, any one of us could have said. It was only after we came back from a celebratory lunch break 
that we saw the regenerative capabilities of the wretched, amorphous organism. The exterior had become sinewy and calloused. Its span had spilled out far past the initial exterior, like dough that had too much yeast. Shattered were any illusions of a forthcoming end date. Our long lunch breaks were certainly out of the question. Even the most stoic among us tantrumed like toddlers experiencing life's first injustice. Other work sites lost priority, as more of us were called in to combat the bellicose flesh. Once scattered, we clustered to focus entirely on the objective. We hacked, slashed, burned and pulverised through the abominable muscle and tissue, barely stopping to eat, sleep or relieve ourselves. We switched off with one another like pieces in a clockwork machine, lest it have time to regrow in the reprieve. The growth of the eukaryotes is exceptionally opportunistic, said those of us who were scientifically inclined enough to comment. More so than anything I've ever encountered. Hope diluted as the weeks engorged into months. Before long, some of us began to measure our efforts and determined the whole enterprise was a miscarriage. There were grumblings that our efforts at eradication had turned our shifts into 18-hour snipe hunts. Resentment germinated in those of us who remained dedicated to the task. More of us joined the ranks of those waiting out the clock, as waning gusto in the troops directly correlated with the progress of the palpitating mass. Tempers flared. The schism expanded. Bouts of violence broke out. When the ferocity of these altercations advanced to the point that we managed to take the life of one of our own, we all knew the cause had been lost. Hopelessness annexed our minds. We were like insects, inadequately dosed with ethanol by a child for her school project, not enough to kill us, but enough to completely demolish any sense of higher functioning, and leave us to loll our eyes into the back of our heads as we fell supine to the ground, or bashed one another's heads into the rocks. This pause allowed us to take in the bulbous mass that had formed. In our efforts to eliminate, we failed to comprehend. Veins, painful in how scarlet and shiny they were, marbled the soft blush of the membrane. Light from the high-voltage work lamps we set up for night shifts reflected off the slick, unending production of mucus. What is that? one of us asked. Our gazes followed the invisible line directly to an irregularity on the surface. We saw that, rather than being bulbous and smooth, the dermis wrinkled into a single, puckered opening. Suddenly, permeable flesh loomed above us. It was not with bravery, but resignation to the course of events, that we ventured inward to where it was so dark one might forget they even existed, were it not for the squelching of our footsteps. No other sound was audible, not even the inhales or exhales within our claustrophobic masks. We collectively held our breath until the click of the lantern revealed all, causing us to gasp like fresh newborns. Cavernous expanse confined us. Moisture dripped thick, oily droplets where the outside had been merely glossy. 
frenulum-like membranes cantilevered a gently pulsing ceiling. The floor oozed underfoot like a swamp, threatening to further suck in an idle body. If the fetid fragrance that wafted in its damp folds had not been a part of our lives before, it was part of our being now, and none of us felt we would ever be clean again, despite being clad in top-of-the-line gear. Fair enough, a mutual violation was being committed. As we ventured, the warren of tunnels revealed a host of sphincter-like openings into unholy chambers, filling us with nausea and bewilderment. The further we progressed, the darker the material of the walls became. From rosy, to bubblegum, to an angry crimson like an infection, to rust red, and finally a deep, slick, raw liver purple. The progression of pigmentation lived on in our memory like an abhorrent ombre. Even with the industrial-grade beacons we carried, a personality-changing darkness saturated where we stood in the core. Solemnity was uniformly regarded. None of us dared to utter a word while we remained in the dark cathedral at the centre. Abrupt static from the walkie-talkies woke us from our haunted trance. Exit from the labyrinthine being proved to be a meticulous affair. The sphincter-like openings were far more willing to accept our entry than to concede our escape. Mechanical intervention was required. Military-grade power tools and hydraulic jacks wrenched and ripped at the bay window-sized gashes, eliciting traumatic jolts and spasms. I can think of a few politicians I would like to throw in here, one of us commented. Nobody laughed. Yet, what the joke lacked in humour was recompensed in prophecy. All resources are exploitable. You just have to think hard enough. Naturally, the Daedalian neoplasm received our modifications before opening as the world's first organic prison complex. The sphincters were outfitted with remote-control mechanical doors. These enhancements emitted electrical shocks that briefly relaxed the musculature of the openings when the penitentiary staff needed to exit. When we installed electrical wiring, the flesh of the walls healed over it completely before any of us could remark upon its progress. It was as if it were waiting for us to look away to cooperate with the mutual objective. Finally, we all said. The surrounding neighbourhood went downhill, so to speak. We accepted this as a matter of course. Nobody expected a bucolic park turned tumorous maximum security correctional institution to be anything less than real estate poison. We celebrated our ingenuity nonetheless. The worst of us now had a place to call home, while the best of us need not fear their escape. None of us could ever hope to slowly tunnel our way out of something that heals over the span of an hour. In fact, the offenders among us were encouraged, if not required, to hack away at the sinewy walls that encased them, as it was found that the flesh contained the prerequisite amount of protein and nutrients needed to survive. When a trial took place for atrocities committed, the Daedalian neoplasm was agreed upon to be one of the harshest sentences one could receive. Many of us begged for the death penalty in its place. Yet, every year, 
more and more of us serve sentences there, and it continues to accommodate us by expanding. Once hostile, we celebrate this entity that fulfills the needs of our growing incarcerated population, doomed to inhabit it until their dying days. And those of us who live upright and respectable lives accept this innovation, as it is agreed upon that your lifestyle determines your death style. You've been listening to Dark Dead Things. Go to darkdeadthings.com for more. Thanks, and see you next time.